Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Calendar here, and uh, the phone numbers as always 704 570 1110 1 800 WBT 1110. The email is Pete at the Pete Show.com, and uh, the Twitter handle is at Pete I'm getting guff because I'm, I'm not convinced that the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence is legit. How dare you! I give you the, I give you the link to the whole hour I did on it, and you just want to judge it by its title. Go for it. <laughs> All righty. Uh, headline, Curbed.com, spiraling in San Francisco's doom loop. It's a doom loop, which kind of sounds like a ride at an amusement park, but it is not. It's way scarier, much more permanent. The San Francisco Chronicle did an article that had a headline, cities are struggling, San Francisco could be in the biggest doom loop of all. And this term, doom loop, has been repopularized recently by some finance professor at NYU. And it has since been applied to San Francisco, but other big cities that are in this doom loop, which is basically described as workers don't come back. Offices stay empty, restaurants close, transit agencies go bankrupt, tax bases plummet, public services disappear. Which means more of the same. It just keeps on cycling because when you don't have these things, right, when the transit agencies go bankrupt, they disappear. Now, people aren't able to get into the city unless they've got you know, their own vehicles, which means they're not living in the city. But then why are you going into the city to work if there are no restaurants there? So more places will move out of the city, right? More businesses move out of the city. That was the whole point, right? The amount of work, I said this right after COVID or the lockdowns. Uh, so COVID was still going on. It will always be with us. But when it was still, uh, we were still locked down and, you know, had all the various um, uh, restrictions in place that I, I felt really sad for all of the, the, the cities, the people, the time and effort that were wasted, just wasted, rebuilding these downtown cores. I remember when I, was, when I first started off as a reporter, and uh, the first reporter gig that I got uh, was down in Rock Hill, at a radio station in Rock Hill. And... I would do regular 
interviews, and we actually did a regular segment. I think it was called Business Rock Hill. And I would go around. It was sponsored by the Economic Development Corporation. I believe the fellow's name was uh, Clay Andrews, I think was his name. And so I would interview him, and I would interview local businesses and stuff. And his big deal, he's like, if I do nothing else in my tenure, it's like I'm going to get residential in downtown Rock Hill. That was, and they, they've got it now. I went down there a couple of months ago, met an old college roommate of mine uh, in downtown Rock Hill, and we were like, I, we had no idea where we were <laughs> because it looks so different, and which is great. But I remember like the big fight years and years and years ago. They were going to put a, uh, or were they were going to, or they did? Did they avoid it? Somebody avoided it. Now maybe I'm getting confused. Maybe they did. They put a roof over Rock Hill. Yeah, they did. I think they did. Rock Hill was one of the places where they did put a roof over the downtown area to try to compete with the mall, the Galleria Mall. And then they had to rip it off. The, and I worked at a, a restaurant. It was called For What It's Worth. It's now called something else, but it was in downtown Rock Hill. And I would go to work, and it was a ghost town. There wasn't anything there. You had the government center that was there, the police department, a couple of you know churches that are down there. But that's it. There wasn't really anything else down there. And the amount of effort, and Charlotte, very much the same way, right? The old joke, when I first came uh, to the area in 1992, that you could roll a bowling ball down Trader Tryon after 5.30 and not hit a single person because nobody was down there. All of the live after fives and downtown after fives, all of those things were meant to do what? Keep people in the downtown area after 5 o'clock. And why would that be necessary? Because nobody lived there. Nobody wanted to hang out there. There wasn't anything to do there. So let's create an event, right? That was the whole point. And all of the time and effort, all the people that spent so much of their talent and treasure to make that happen and to revitalize downtowns, and it was all blown away. Just abandoned and now they think they could turn it back on again no and who thought turning on an economy and off an economy is not as easy as the experts quote unquote thought it would be and people now realizing you know maybe i don't need to work in the city maybe i don't want to work in the city maybe i'm okay working less altogether or not at all not at all apparently that's apparently a lot of people that just aren't even working i don't know how they do it but a lot of people aren't working This is a crazy stat. According to research from the University of Toronto, cell phone activity in downtown San Francisco is 32% of pre-pandemic levels. A third. They've lost two-thirds of cell phone activity in downtown. In, In New York, they've lost a quarter. In New York City, they've lost a quarter of their cell phone activity when compared to before the pandemic. But downtown San Francisco, two-thirds? The very night, the same day that the San Francisco Chronicle uh, ran this article called Cities Are Struggling, San Francisco could be in the biggest doom loop of all. The very day that story published, that evening, there was um, an event. It was in the Mission District, hosted a public discussion on what to do about the death spiral. 
and everybody was you know throwing out, oh, we 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 just need to fix this the permitting system and find a way to get artists back. <laughs> this is these are the ideas they were kicking around in San Francisco, and then five days after that, the founder of the Cash App, Bob Lee, was killed, and people immediately jumped to the conclusion that it was because of the doom loop, right? This was connected. Of course, it turned out not to be the case. But this reporter named Elizabeth uh, Wheel, Elizabeth Wheel, she starts doing a story on this, and she admits right out, she has to apologize. She says, I got to apologize to my fellow San Franciscans. Uh, I'm sorry, I know. There's always some story in the East Coast press about how our city is dying. And San Franciscans, San Franciscans, Sissians, San Franciscans, I think it means whale. Anyway, San Franciscans hate these pieces. They hate these stories. And they think that anybody who writes them, they would just be stooges or traitors. But she says, when I started out on this job to report this story, I wanted to write a piece debunking the doom loop story. But to live in San Francisco right now, to watch its streets, is to realize no one will catch you if you fall. She interviewed a security guard in front of an art supply store called Blick. It's on Market near 6th Street. He had just ejected a man who had been smoking fentanyl inside the store, which I guess is not allowed, but okay. Um... His bosses suggested that he should refer to that man as an unhoused guest. An unhoused guest. As he ejected the guy for smoking fentanyl in the store. He couldn't call him a home. Don't you call him a homeless person. He's an unhoused guest. You refer to him as that. By the way, our own sheriff, Mecklenburg County, calls them guests at the jail. He calls them guests, right? Anyway, the guard who described himself as a, quote, cis white male <laughs> who stands six feet tall, uh, had previously worked security a block away at the anthropology, anthropology, is that, a, I don't know. I, I don't know how you pronounce that. It's got the G-I-E at the end. It makes it sound kind of hoity-toity or something. Anthropology. Well, it doesn't matter. They're closed now. They went out of business. They had to move their store. He said uh, that was just for show. He wasn't even supposed to try to stop shoplifters. So ejecting the guy, it was just an act. He's not supposed to stop the shoplifters. Um, They fill up bags, sometimes suitcases, with food uh, that they needed to feed themselves or their families or merchandise to sell on the black market on Mission Street. But here, he says, his co-workers' pay depends on sales. So his job is to make it tolerable for customers to shop. So at 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 the other clothing store... It was all for show, but at this art supply store, he like their pay depends on sales, and so, no, you have to eject some people, apparently. He referred to it, the state of San Francisco, when asked by this reporter, this security guard, he described it as, it's like a video game. Have you ever played Fallout? If you've never played Fallout, it's a post-apocalyptic game takes place after nuclear war you got zombies feral mutants and all sorts of stuff and just the complete breakdown of law and order and poverty it's yeah 
post-apocalyptic. That's what this guy describes San Francisco as. And he lives there and works there. So the doom loop. 30% vacancy rate in the city as far as uh, businesses go. And they say it's going, it, that is going to go up. It's going to go up. Um, and the city continues to loop Whole Foods on uh, mid-market closed a year after it opened. People keep threatening employees, melting down in the aisles, ODing in the bathrooms. What are you going to do? Well, Kurt Schlichter recommends let the cities die. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Retired Colonel Kurt Schlichter, writing at townhall.com, says, let the blue cities die. The Democrat cities, again, this is Kurt Schlichter, quote, the Democrat cities are urine-soaked hellholes that reek of pot, where criminals stalk unmolested, where the full fury of what is supposed to be the law hangs over the head of any citizen who dares to do something about it, and that's good. The idiots who live there voted for turning their urban landscapes into petri dishes of social pathologies, and they should enjoy the full benefits of their decisions. We normal people should avoid these socialist wastelands and elect legislators to Congress who will starve them of the federal funds that enable their decline. In red states, our legislators should wage warfare on the blue tumors in their midst, lest they metastasize outside the city limits. And we should ruthlessly point to them as the future Democrats want, which they are, a vision of psychotic hobos taking a dump on the sidewalk in front of your house forever. (laughs) Okay, I feel the need to point this out, okay? Kurt is prone to writing just a tad hyperbolically, okay? He has a way with words, if you will. He kind of goes... Kind of goes over the <laughs> over the line on occasion. Um, he says, us normal people can't help the cities and their moron populations because they don't want to help themselves. We tried compassion. Now let's try compression. Let's squeeze them until they pop like the pimple on America's rear end that they are. All right. <laughs> so I'm not, I do not endorse all of this kind of language. Some of it, yeah, some of it's fine. But some of it's not. Some of it's like it's unnecessarily antagonistic. But I think the theme is worth exploring. We shall do so momentarily. 
All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. So it's estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My uh, grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing some promise. We still got a long way to go, though, and if you uh, want to help, if it has affected your family or if you're called to help, the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter putting on the Family Dance Party. It's in Charlotte. It's June 10th. Uh, this is something our colleague Ramona Holloway has been doing in honor of her uh, late mom. And uh, along with uh, Jamison Realty, thank you very much. It's presented by Jamison Realty. Uh, also uh, with help from Ally Financial, all about seniors in carbon events and marketing it's going to be at the roxbury nightclub in uptown charlotte june 10th from one o'clock until five o'clock um and you know got prizes for the best dancers and stuff coins for taste of charlotte you can win as well go to the website mix 1079.com that's mix 1079.com and you can buy your tickets there or uh even you know donate a set of tickets for somebody else who's battling alzheimer's and thank you so Colonel Kurt Schlichter writing at townhall.com, he's making the case that uh, this, the, the situation in cities has gotten so bad that we just need to let them go. Just let them go. Let them spiral downwards. This is what they voted for. It's going to get really, really bad. Yes. And he does it in colorful language, but the theme is worth exploring. He says, we used to love going into New York City. And I could say that too. Like, I, like growing up, You'd go into this, well, actually not when I was a young kid, because when I was a young kid in the 80s, you did not go into the city. It was very bad. Then Rudy Giuliani went through with a broom and he cleaned it all up, made, uh, I think he repaired some windows, if I heard correctly. And then it was it was safe to go back into New York City, except if you got caught playing like the three-card Monty. You'd never play that. There's no way to win it. Okay. So you uh, you have this revitalization, and now it's a tourist thing. And my wife and I, actually, we went to... Uh, we went to the city one year. We went up to New York to go back to visit the family. And uh, we were there for a week. And I said, hey, Christy, why don't we just like plan a day or two and just go into the city and, and be tourists? And we did. And it was a lot of fun and saw a lot of great sites. Again, highly recommend the architectural tour of Rockefeller Center. Not the one where you go in and see Saturday Night Live theater or the set, right? Not that one. The architectural tour. If you're into history, okay, and design and stuff like that. It was, it was we, we just, we tried to get into this SNL one and we couldn't. And they were like, well, there's this other tour going on. And there was nobody on that line. So we said, okay, <laughs> we went on that line. But it was really fascinating with some really cool stories. Like, for example, uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral is right across the street from Rockefeller uh, one was it one or two or whatever it's called, and so 
they built, you know, the big Atlas statue. You've seen it, right? The big, he's like got the world on his shoulders, right? That statue was built so the priest could see it from the altar. And the way it was built, the artist did it as a, as a screw you to the Catholic Church and all religion, all Christianity, basically. This was the kind of stuff, because Rockefeller was really conservative, but his wife was a socialist. His wife was like some leftist. And so she would bring in all of these artists that were Marxists and stuff, because remember, this was, you know, right around the time when Marxism was making its, you know, its great leap forward, if you will. And, um, and so they, they, were, they did all the paintings and stuff, and they did one that was so bad that Rockefeller had it, had it destroyed overnight. Like one night he he sees it, and then the next night there's a curtain over it, and then the next day it's gone, and it caused problems in their marriage because he turned over. So like he built the building and he let his wife do all the decorating, big mistake because she hired all these socialist artists, and so all the the artwork on the walls and stuff inside this big robber baron capitalist building is all Marxist stuff. It's pretty wild. They did one that was so that uh, that he so objected to. He refused to walk out the front door of his own building for the rest of his life. He would never walk past. I forget which one it was. It may have been the one where he walks. Where you walk sort of underneath this big towering figure. He was so offended by it. Anyway, back to the piece at townhall.com. As in California, all the good people are leaving. There are a lot of complaints about blue state denizens shifting to red places and bringing their clown show politics with them. But in my experience, it's the red people who are saying the hell with this and checking out. The poor libs can't move and the rich ones don't need to. Their little enclaves are relatively safe. The subways may be a concrete jungle where freaks with meat cleavers wander and you might get pushed into an oncoming train by some schizo with a hundred arrests and no real jail time on his rap sheet. But the cops are still empowered to act in the well-heeled precincts. People ask how I can stay in Los Angeles because, by the way, Kurt Schlichter, yes, he's a trial lawyer in L.A. And people ask how he can stay there. But he says, I'm not actually in L.A., I'm in a city by the beach where the cops actually cop. The chaos is for the poors and the uncool side of the 405. My neighbors vote for Ted Lieu and let the consequences of their moral preening fall on the people who don't work via Zoom. Right. What is he saying again? This is the people who claim to be looking out for the interests of certain demographics, whether they be you know racial demographics or economic demographics, right? The people that they claim to be trying to, they're trying to help are the ones that are most harmed by the policies prescribed by the, quote, elites, because they are removed from it, right? They are removed from this life that they are creating for all of the other constituents who can't get out. So, he says, our job as conservatives is not to fix the blue cities for the sake of their inhabitants. Our job is to contain the infected blue cities to keep their poison from spreading to the rest of the country. <laughs> he called it a tumor. <laughs> they call the cities tumors, blue tumors. So I think we should start calling them bloomers. 
No, probably not. That means something else. And anyway, of course, he says the regime media is going to slobber all over their Democrat masters trying to cover up the truth. Look at all of them earnestly explaining that the subway system is actually very safe. And the real problem is that you people just hate the differently mentally. <laughs> That's the, I guess that is that the way we're <laughs> the differently mental differently mentally. <laughs> yeah. And you hate them because you're just racist and you should ignore the guy threatening to stab you because of equity and shut up white privilege wielders of all colors. But we know the truth. We've all passed the encampments of needle jockeys and lunatics that blight the urban landscape. We've all seen the filth. We have all inhaled the rancid odor of civilizational collapse. Even the Republicans could sell the alternative. And that is saying something because Republicans are terrible at selling their message. (laughs) What the Democrats offer is just that bad. When people drive past these camps enough and they they know. Let's get the idea of helping blue cities. Just get the idea out of our heads. Our job is containment, and we do that by holding them up as the alternative to us. Wherever we have sufficient political power, then you have to contain and strangle. Money funds all of it. You got to cut off the money. I don't know. What do you think? This sounds kind of, it sounds kind of draconian. And cities actually generate a lot of revenue for states, Right. So I don't know if this actually works, but if you get cities that enter the doom loop, then it does seem like a viable strategy all of a sudden. So Tina Turner has passed away, age 83. She's battling long illness. She had suffered uh, declining health in recent years. She was diagnosed with intestinal cancer in 2016. She had a kidney transplant in 2017. Born Anna May Bullock, November 26, 1939, raised in Nutbush, Tennessee, 83 years old. Tina Turner passed away uh, today. Um, I mentioned this earlier. Where is it? Here it is. Um, from MSN.com. I mentioned this earlier, and I, I you know, off and on here during the show, been reading through during the breaks to try and... Uh, try to get a sense of what this rule is what the rule change is okay so at first i thought okay well let me just say i'll just read this uh, this quote here so the nfl is changing one of the rules they do this every year they change rules all the time okay but the nfl is changing one of the rules on the kickoff all right the special teams coaches are uh, are against it and um I don't like it either, but I understand the rationale for it. The kickoff has long been the NFL's most dangerous play, and the NFL contends that concussions and other injury numbers have gotten worse in recent years. The new rule was voted in by the NFL owners, and it's going to make it it's going to make it a touchback of the 25-yard line whenever a returner makes a fair catch on any kickoff inside the 25. So what does that mean? Right, so you're going to kick off, and if it comes to the 25, if it, it doesn't go into the end zone, but it's within the 25 yard line. If it's within the 25 yard line, then uh, you can do a fair catch, and it'll go out to the 25. So why are they doing this? 
why are they doing this? Okay, number one, because you rush through, you're running at, at you know top speed, and you're you're running into each other, you're plowing into each other, and you're getting concussions, and you get a lot of injuries, and they've run the numbers on it, and it's like, oh, okay, this is obviously uh, a dangerous play, more dangerous for concussions than like all of the other types of plays. Okay, the NFL predicts the rule is going to reduce the number of kickoff returns from 38 percent down to 31 percent, and it'll reduce concussions. By 15%. They say it's basically incompatible with player safety. The NFL has made several changes in recent years to reduce the number of kickoff returns, moving the kick up to the 35-yard line, right, which then put more of the balls into the end zone. But then what happens? The kickers start kicking shorter kicks, squib kicks. So you kick the shorter kicks in order to induce the returns. So you can try to knock the ball out, right? You're trying to make a play. So, okay, fine. Now, if you're going to do a squib kick, if you get it between the 25 and the goal line, now we're going to just let you fair catch it and put it out of the 25. Why don't we just get rid of the kickoffs altogether? I mean, at this point, really, what are we doing? Just here, take the ball, start at the 25. (laughs) Why are we even bothering with this? I mean, we see where this is going, do we not? Come on, man. To quote Joe Biden, the NFL has made several changes to reduce the number of kickoffs. Punts and kickoffs remain the most dangerous plays at double the concussion rate for those plays than in all the other plays. Rich McKay, chairman of the competition committee, said NFL kickers have increased the number of high, shorter kickoffs in the last few years. So the kickers have been... I'm sure because the coaches are telling him to, right? If don't kick it through the end zone, kick it high, kick it short, we'll have a chance to get there. So this way we can try to pin them deep in their territory. But now you're not going to be able to do that. So it's just taking away the whole point of the kickoff. If you can't pin them in there and anything beyond the 25, so what are we going to start kicking it between the 35 and 25? You're going to try to get it in there in that 10 yard zone. In which case, then, why would you do that? Why even bother? Because you just let it bounce past you, right? Or just take it there and down it. It just doesn't make any sense. Just get rid of kickoffs at this point, guys. Seriously, try it for a year, see what happens. I don't know. Maybe I'm just defeatist attitude today. (laughs) Everything's changing. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. All right, hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock. It's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request.